Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Alongside me once again, Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Coach Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks for being here. Joe, I can't believe it's over, man. It, it <laughs> seems like we just started yesterday, and already the championship game seems like a blur. And like you know, in the rearview mirror, it, it, this I, year has just flown by. I just can't believe we're here without jackets or coats. <laughs> Uh, we're recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, you can send us your questions. And, yes, you can still send us questions because we are going to be doing this one more week after this week. Uh, you can send them uh, by email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, you can listen to the show Thursday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com or on iTunes. Uh, if that's still a thing, I don't know. I think I read somewhere <laughs> that they were shutting that down, but I could be wrong. Um, so today we'll be taking a look back at last week's championship games for both the boys and the girls. Uh, next week we'll be wrapping up the season as a whole and taking a look ahead uh, to some things for the 2020 season. Way uh, too early predictions. Way too early. Um, if you haven't ordered one already, uh, the boys and girls lacrosse yearbooks are still available for pre-order. Uh, you've got until the end of the month, June 30th, to grab your copy. Uh, when you order one, not only do you get a great memento from the 2019 season, but you're also helping me to continue run NHHighSchoolSports.com. So if you like what we've, I've been doing this year and in years past, please consider ordering one. Uh, it's a big help, uh, and I think you're also getting a pretty, uh, pretty great product. So just go to NH-HighSchoolSports.com, uh, click on the tab at the top of the page that says Lacrosse Yearbook, and fill out your information. For coaches that are listening out there, I've gotten one every year, and it's a great, it's a great scouting tool for the following year. You've got a lot of great information in there. You know, what's funny, I've actually been using mine from last year to go back and look at records. Because like I, I throw in their standings and playoff results. Um, all, the all state, state results. All state teams are in there. I've actually been using mine because I don't feel like clicking on a million links because Lax Power doesn't exist anymore. I can't find, you know, my, my, what I have set up on my site is a little bit slower in trying to find, you know, past standings and playoff results, but it's in the yearbook. So that, that I've been using a lot. We'll get you hooked up at laxnumbers.com if you haven't been there yet. Right. That's, that's the new, that's the new the, one. That's the new one. They're getting there. It's, it, it was taken over. They've got a lot of the information that Lax Power had. They're not quite there yet. But, uh, you know, they don't have the archives, but it was pretty accurate as the year went on. So we're get, we'll get back That's there. That's good. That's good to know. I, I'm actually going to book that mar bookmark that one myself <laughs> right, right now. So, like I said, we're going we're gonna to take a look back at, at the six championship games from last week. Um, I figured we'd just go in chronological order. Uh, the D3 girls game was the first one played last Tuesday. That already feels like a lifetime ago um, because so much has happened between now and then. Um, I know I think when we talked about that game last week, we were both pretty confident that Hockington, you know, was what was going to be, be the favorite and should yeah, be favorite yeah. in that game. Um, and, you know, when in, year, in years to come, when people go back and look at the score and see that Hockington won and finished off the year undefeated, they'll be like, oh, yeah, they were pretty. Of course they were going to win you know, that, that Yeah. Um, not quite so with that game. That game took a number of twists and turns that I don't think anyone could have predicted. Um, you know, they got out to a big lead early, Hopkinton did. I think he scored four goals in the first five minutes of the game. We're up four to one. Um, you know, Dairyfield started playing a little bit better defense after that. It looked like they had some nerves early on. And they once they got through them, um, you know, they did a better job of slowing down Hopkinton. But really all it did was it, it ended up going from a 4-1 game in the first five minutes to, you know, uh, I think it was a 7-2 game with like eight minutes left in the first half. And then, you know, 
um, Hopkinton just kept picking up cards. I've never seen a game with so many cards on one team before. It was an interesting, you know, it was, it was interesting to talk to people afterwards, not just Dairyfield fans, but people who attended the game in general. And the general feeling was that there was a, a college refing crew there that called the game much tighter than the way it had been called during the regular season. Hopkinton was known for physical play. They were a very athletic team, wanted to get up and down the field, push tempo, dictate tempo on both offense and defense. And that college uh, officiating crew was much tighter with the physicality in that game and didn't allow Hopkinton to, in quotes, throw their weight around on the field there. And uh, I think it, it kind of threw Hopkinton for a loop a little bit. I mean, losing their best player in the first half, getting two cards or getting five cards by by the halftime, and her picking and up two. Down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, two men. They were two men down. They were two men down for, for about twenty three right. minutes. Yeah. The last twenty three minutes of the game, they were down two players after uh, Lyndon Flanagan picked up her second card early in the second half. The thing I the the thing that 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 bothers me with you know you, you mentioned the officiating crew, and I'm I'm not. I'm not harping on the, the officiating. That was not the issue. My issue is, and they do this in basketball too, is once you get to the, the quarterfinals and the semifinals, um, they add another official. Yeah. You go all year playing with two officials in basketball and in, in, in lacrosse. And then once you get to that big stage, they add a third official. Not only they add a third official, but they also and add they a box add a, official, uh, too. Right, you're right. So you've got yeah. now four officials on the right. field. Yeah. And a lot of times in that game, it felt like it was you know, the official that was in a different spot than you would normally have for a high school game making the call. I, and and I, I don't know that for sure. That's just what it felt like to me. And you it can, but at the same time, if you're playing a clean game and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then there shouldn't be a need to play. So I understand how it can be frustrating that, you know, all season long you've played a certain style and you've gotten away with it. But at the end of the day, if they're making the correct call, then, then I don't have a huge problem with that. But I could understand how fans and, and coaches could be frustrated. It's like, well, this is the way we've played all season. And now all of a sudden it, it's being changed on us. So when that happened, when you know, when when Hopkinton picked up that fifth card, Flanagan goes out uh, for the rest of the game. They're down two players. It was an eight-four game, um, you know, and and Hopkinton looked like it was, you know, just going to keep adding on. And then that happens, and all of a sudden momentum swings. Um, the one thing I didn't notice until afterwards, they kept winning draws. Hopkinton did. They would. They. I think they won 11 out of 13 draws in that second half. And that's a huge storyline and why Dairyfield was not, even though they were getting leads towards the end of that game, why they were not able to hold on to that lead. It's. It is really hard to kill that much time when you're not winning draw. When you're not winning draws, and you know, um, I give a lot of credit to to Coach Mel and what she did this season with that group. There were. Yes, she had Olivia Strong. Yes, she had Lucy Lakata, Shauna in net, but she took a lot of girls who didn't have a ton of experience and, and got them to play at a really high level, but I think in the end needed a few more players around those girls to be able to kill that time off and also to, to be able to win draws there. And Hopkinton just ended up having more athletes uh, to, to be able to yeah. kill the, kill the clock, to, to be able to battle back and, and win that game. Yeah, I remember her emailing me at the beginning of the year and saying that it was a very young team. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of people from the outside are going to look at it and say, well, typical dairy field, you know, they get right. the three get seed, the they get to the final. But that she team took a, she took a girl who who had never played right. lacrosse before from Germany came in this year and said here here's a stick she was a starter on defense right. how many teams can say they had a starter on defense this year who who was making legitimate contributions 
and it never played the game before. You, right. I, mean, I think I think it's incredible. Um, the other side, um, you know, the the, the girl that kind of stood out for Hopkinton was for to me, and and, and I think to a lot of people, uh, Ellie Morrell or Morrell. I'm not apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, you know, she had to step up in the semifinal game again because of car issues with cards for Hopkinton. Scored five goals in that game. This game, um, she was on the draw. One like again, she was the one winning the draws in the second half. Had five goals in the final, including two in the last two minutes of the game. You know that that turned it from a one-goal Derryfield lead into a one-goal Hopkinton lead. Then she won the final draw with about I don't know about a hundred seconds left. And and it was I mean, it was the weirdest thing because you know they win the draw and all of a sudden they went backwards. They you know Hopkinton just started. You know they didn't pass the ball back to the goalie. They passed the ball back to the defense and then. Worked the ball all the way, basically played keep away for the last you know minute and a half of that game. You know, yeah, and and, and it's a lot easier to do that when you when you've got a deep when you've got a deeper bench like Hopkinson did. So, um, you know, uh, I I think kudos to Hopkinson for for overcoming the adversity that they had to overcome in that game, and and also adjusting to the to the style that the refs or refs were were making them play in that game. Um, a lot of teams don't have the mental fortitude to, to stick with it and to change their game plan in the middle like that. It can, uh, you know, especially when all the momentum is swinging and Derryfield's Derry making a run the way they did in that game, uh, it, it would have been easy to, to, to fold over. Uh, for Hopkinton, that was the, the first championship in their program history. The other game that night, um, championship won by a team that, you know, is no stranger, no stranger to winning to championships. Winning championships. Um, you know, you get Portsmouth beating Winnicott at 10-5. to to win the D2 title in a game that was probably a lot more exciting than it felt, but that was because the first game was was so like edge of your seat there coming down the stretch that, that a 10-5 game, it, it felt a little bit like more. But, but I think the other reason for that too was because in the second half of that game, Portsmouth was just so dominant. You know, it was a, uh, it looked like it was gonna be a 4-3 win a kind of lead going into halftime. Uh, Portsmouth gets a goal right at the buzzer. From a freshman. From a freshman. Less to tie it at four on a, on a shot that was from pretty far out, or at least from where I was where I was standing, it looked like it was. Um, you know, and then Portsmouth comes out in the second half, um, gets a big game out of goalie Grace Jackson. Um, Sally Squire puts in a couple of goals, you know, and they, they just kind of, you know, grind down, ground down Winnicott until they just really didn't have much momentum left to, to try to come back in that game. Um, you know, and, and like I said, that's their third championship in a row. Uh, you know, fourth time in the last four years that they've been in the in the title game, and and you know they don't lose, they aren't losing much from next year. So I mean, it's not, you know not out of the question that you could see Portsmouth there again uh, next season. Yeah, I mean, Sally Squire comes back, Julia Ralphs, the the freshman that that scored two goals, she comes back. Um, you know, uh, I I think they they've got a lot of pieces in place. Um, you know, recently it just came out that, that head coach Mary Squire is, uh, is, is retiring this year. And, uh, you know, we wish her the best in, in, the, uh, in her upcoming new ventures. Um, you know, uh, an incredible coach for the state and, and for girls lacrosse. She's done, she's done a lot throughout the year. She was the head coach of, of Southern New Hampshire University uh, before she came to Portsmouth and then really turned, turned a, a program into a dynasty. In, in reality, I mean, year in and year out, they've they've produced tremendous girls. A lot of them have gone on to college to play. 
uh, huge shoes to fill there. So, you know, we can't can't thank Mary enough for all the work that she's done uh, in, in, in bringing up the level of play for girls lacrosse. She took on the challenge. She, she brought these girls into D. She, she brought them up to play a D1 schedule on a regular right. basis I mean, on top of playing yeah. a, a challenging D2 schedule. The last three years, yeah, they've played most. I mean, their losses have all been against D1 teams. Um, the last three years, so yeah, they they have not lost a D two game. I in think three they years, lost a they? D two. I think they lost to Hanover last season in, okay. in twenty eighteen. But yeah, outside of that, I don't think they've they've lost a game against a D two opponent. Uh, I, I mean, for the most part, teams haven't even come close. Um, I think they had a, a one point or one goal win over Winnicott earlier in the year. They had that overtime win against Hollis Brookline this year. Outside of that, though, they've been they've just dominated the division. Um, you know, and, and and to what you were saying. Um, Looking at this roster, I think I just count nine freshmen on the on their varsity roster this year. Um, so that I mean, that's just Seacoast has it's an incredible huge. feeder program right now. They're doing a really good job, and, and those girls are staying home. Um, so you know they they should be locked and loaded again next season. It'd be <laughs> be great great shoes for some coach to step into there and, and take a team with a lot of experience and uh, you know have a chance to win a title in their first year. You know the uh, the other um, girls championship game last week. Um, you know, last ended up being last Thursday because of those um, nasty thunderstorms we got on Wednesday. <laughs> um, you know, but th- you look at um, kind of a matchup that maybe at the beginning of the season we thought was was going to be possible. Um, of course, with BG taking on Pinkerton, uh, you know, er- they played early in the year in one of uh, the more exciting games. I think BG got out to a big lead. Pinkerton came way back, didn't tie it, but kept, got close. BG pulled away a little bit at the end, ended up winning 16-12. to 12. And, I mean, the the championship game, I think, almost mirrored that one, just maybe not quite as much scoring. Yep, and it also uh, it also has set up a, you know, not not that people believe in curses or, like, trends, but, uh, you know, there, there are some very interesting trends in that BG, uh, BG-Pinkerton rivalry where where the, the winner of the boys during the regular season has gone on to then lose in the championship – and also the in the Pinkerton uh, BG series, the, the girls the the girls team that has won earlier, the opposite has happened on the boys side where the, the boys team has when, lost. When there you're too. right, when the BG girls have won championships since they moved up to Division One, uh, the boys have lost. Um, and, we not, continue, not, and we continued the trend of, of of the winner of the BG Pinkerton boys regular season game, then then losing yeah, in the, in the um, championship. You know, in the, in the girls game, um, you know. It, I, I think the experience of being there for BG, um, you know, helped at both ends. They got off to the really hot start. Um, I'm not, I don't remember quite what the lead was. I think it was four nothing, maybe four one. Something they got out. They got out early, and then at the end, you know, they're down a goal with less than a minute to go, and end up scoring twice in that final minute to to come out with a 12-11 win. Um, you know, and I think that was the difference. You know, despite the fact that they're you know, they have a pretty young group of kids there too. They've also got a pretty seasoned group. They played a really tough out of state to be, uh, out of state schedule. Um, you know, they've played what Chumsford, Westford, uh, Andover. I want to say and Cohasset and yeah. Cohasset. Yeah. So I mean, and it's not like, but you know what, Pinkerton and and uh, and Bedford they they challenge themselves as well. Um, but you know, come playoff time, that, that that is those those are huge games to be able to lean back on it and get your younger kids. Um, you know, because if you think about it, if you don't play those games and you're relying on freshmen, now all of a sudden you're on a big stage. No matter how big you are, that can, that can get to those kids. 
you know, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb here right now. I, I know we said we wouldn't get up to our, our, our 2020 predictions until next week. I'm going to predict right now that this is going to be the championship game again next year. Uh, BG I think could, depending on I get to take a look at, at Bedford's roster returning, but um, I mean, but you know, Bedford has a good group of kids returning, but they lose two really big seniors in Sidney Lynch and, and, and Hannah McCarthy. Um, I, I don't want to count them out, I mean, of, of course, um, but compared to what BG and Pinkerton have coming back, yeah. um, you know, it's it's it, there's a big gap there. I think. Um, you know, Pinkerton doesn't lose much. Their core, of their team is all is mostly juniors. BG, they won't I have think, a, they won't have two goalies next year. They'll only have one, but still, but it's, it's a good both one. Both goalies good were one pretty have. good, so yep. they're, they're yeah, they're I think they're going to be okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going to everyone mark that one down. <laughs> I think um, it's in a, a year bet. from now, you know, just feel free to uh, you know throw it in my face if I'm wrong. That's that's fine. That's the only. I don't we think like you'd be getting here. great odds from Vegas right now if uh, if if you if you were a betting man. But uh, well, maybe you know, you know maybe you I should be figure out how to make anyway. yeah, yeah figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so on the boys' side, uh, of course, all three boys' championship games played uh, last Saturday, uh, the eighth at at Bill Ball Stadium in Exeter. Um, I believe the fifth year that we've done this now, um, that they've had all three championship games on the same day. Uh, uh, I want to say it started in 2015. So yeah, 2015. Yeah. So yeah, before that, I remember they, we played in 2014. We played we played at Stellos on a different night than the. Than they've the all other just games. run again, run together for you now, yeah. haven't they? You well, just don't. Just, you, don't yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I will say, um, just a fantastic day. Like it's it's you know it it's long. It you know by the end of it, you know you're tired. Um, did help that the weather cooperated. It, the weather cooperated was not quite as hot as it has been in the past, although it felt hotter because of this wonderful spring we've had. Um, it was the funny part. It was it was barely above seventy. It might have been seventy five uh, there. Yeah. And you know there was it wasn't even that humid, and uh, it did like they, I felt fine as a coach on the sideline. But I remember my kids are coming off the field and they're like, "Coach, it's hot. It's really during, hot out there." Yeah, during the D three game, yeah, it was um, it was pretty warm, and you notice a difference. Um, you know, Hopkinton, of course, having been there the last, this was their third year in a row being there. Pelham has been there in the past. Um, I think it's been since 2016, but it was a different coach, younger, different kids. kids. I don't even think. would have been freshmen, so who knows if they had been on yeah, JV if they were there. or even on the varsity team at that I point. I showed up there, and Hopkinton has tents over its bench. Yeah. Pelham's got nothing. You know, I, I found out later on Hopkinton brought extra water, extra ice. They had towels that had been left in coolers to give the kids when they came off the field, it doesn't sound like much, but that's but a big difference. Make a difference. Yeah. They do. And they make your kids feel more comfortable. And, you know, exactly. Um, you know, we, we went through the same thing. We had a certain routine. We knew what locker room we were going to be in. We knew the timing, when and where we wanted to stretch, what we wanted to have done before we hit the field. It sounds like little things, but they, they, it really does make make a big difference in, in, uh, in the way how comfortable you are in that opening quarter. So that game started out um, exactly, almost exactly how the regular season game between them went. Hopkinton scores two goals in the first minute in the regular season. They scored two goals actually in the first, you know, minute and one second in this one. Um, in hindsight, that second goal they scored, though, I should have known right then that it was just not Pelham's day. Uh, just, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it because you have um, Pelham goalie, um, Jackson Snyder making a, a really good save. The rebound kicks way out, goes right to uh, Hopkinton's Paul Molnar, who 
by the way, is also a hockey player, scored the lone goal in the John Stark Hopkinton win in the D3 championship game during hockey season, just whips his stick back like he's taking a slap shot, catches the ball with the tip of his stick, and it just it flew right into the goal. I don't think it actually went in his stick at all. He just, I mean, from the sound that it made, because it made it like a ball hitting, pla- you know, a, the the head of the stick kind of sound. So he won. He won. And, and it, he, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, and I think it surprised everyone else. And all of a sudden, it's two nothing, and uh, and then it got to three nothing pretty quick. And um, I don't. I mean, you know, three minutes into a championship game, and you're already in a position you haven't been in in all year. Right. It just it snowballed. It felt like it, it put them on their heels early. And and the other thing, you know, Coach Blue made a made a great adjustment during the from the regular season when they played each other. He kind of saw that, you know what, maybe we don't match up the way we'd like to in the defensive end against these guys and, and threw a zone at them that, you know, Pelham I don't think had seen a whole lot of during the regular season, and it didn't look like they were as prepared as maybe they could have been to see something like that. And it, it really threw off their offensive game for a while. Um, they were taking shots that, that were low-percentage shots, and, um, you know, and it, then it allowed uh, Hopkinson to get out in transition and get more possessions and get some easy goals. And um, it's very difficult when it, when a zone team gets a lead like that. It, it when you get when they get a four or five nothing got you know what were they they were up seven to two I think at one point it was five five two at the end of the first quarter, uh, nine four at halftime, and then it and then you you figure that that Pelham's going to come out to start this, the third quarter and really, you know, put their foot down and they got a they got a man up situation early on, and they let Pelham get in, or excuse me Hopkinton get in transition and score, and then the next thing you know it's twelve four. Yeah, and so you know, one, you know, a five-goal lead against a team like that can feel like an insurmountable mountain to, to overcome. And then you then you start pressing more. You take even quicker shots and, and do things that are normally out you wouldn't do. Um, well, and then and then the penalties started to mount up. They they frustration you know, They got a couple unsportsmanlike penalties. And, you know, it just it it yeah, it just went all downhill. Shouldn't take anything away though. Pelham had Pelham had a really good year. It was a great senior group for them. Uh, really good, really good group of kids and, and leaders. Um, you know, I was impressed with them all indoor season long, and the and the the uh, the, the chemistry that they built there. Um, and they've got a good group coming they back. Do have Sny- a good core Snyder's coming back. only a sophomore in goal. Charlie Caton's one of the the, the better, uh, I think, better faceoff guys in the Vision Three. He's coming back. He's a junior. Um, I, I don't. I mean, we can't not we can't talk about this game and not mention um, Colby Quiet though. I eight goals. Eight? Goal. I was going to say not just eight points, but eight goals. Eight goals. That's I think he had an assist or, or two. He took faceoffs. He played Filled defense. The water bottles. I think at <laughs> one point. Uh, you know, he he was doing it all out there. Um, you know, just an incredible athlete. Incredible performance on a, on a big stage. You know, when the lights are the brightest. Um, you know, and he you know. it was a big difference from the regular season. I don't remember what his final numbers were in that game, but they only scored five goals in that game. So he, you know, certainly didn't have eight in that. But they, I think Pelham did a really good job of taking him out of his game in you know in the regular season for, you know again you talk about the adjustments for him to to make some adjustments of his own to to come into that game as confident as he did I think the difference was there were other people on Hoppington that stepped up this time around you know you mentioned Paul Molner uh, Alan Faulkner you know different kids that maybe didn't get the spotlight during the regular season that figured out you know they built some chemistry and I, I think when they played that game earlier this year you know they were we we knew that Hopkinton's core offensive group was not as strong as it's been in the years past and and so they needed other guys to step up to allow Colby quiet to get get open and, and, and get some of his 
get his shots. Well, you know, you mentioned that, and it reminded me, um, you know, in the in the second half of that game, I'm you know, someone said something about you know Benny Madden was you know was he always playing he's playing incredible in goal, and I said I said he is he's got a great good you know he's made some really good saves in the second half, but I almost didn't feel like it was game change like a game changing performance because by the time he was making those saves. They didn't need him. It was a, more about their offense, which is a big change from the previous really, two championships. Yeah. It was all about their defense. I did then. notice him in the first half, though. He made a couple. He made a couple really good saves where I, I, I stopped and t- as a former goalie, I stopped and took notice and I said, "Wow!" That not only was the technique really good on his footwork was good, and then uh, you know I was impressed with him with him clearing the ball as well. You know, and um, that that was one of the spots too going into the season that we didn't really know because he was you know he's stepping in as a junior. You know, to a, a team that's just won two championships with a different goalie, you know, so for him to come in and have the kind of year that he had in a championship game like that, um, you know, when you look at, at what else they've got, I mean, Quiet's a junior. Um, you know, they've got a, they've Humphrey's got the pieces. They, yeah, they've got pieces. Yeah. They've got pieces to, to put together another run again next year. Um, Speaking of, of, of teams on runs, uh, the the D two championship, uh, of course, is a, a you know is a. a Fourth in a row for Dairyfield, um, nine to one win over Winnicunit, and um, you know the, the first quarter of that game, I I watched from up you know up on the top in the press box a little bit up on that back row with the bleachers, and uh, I don't I mean it, it felt like one of those you know the the cartoons and the tennis match kind of thing where you're looking this way and you look back that way and you look back that you know it's just back and forth. I think both teams came out with a little bit of little bit of nerves, um, you know just. Trying to, I think from my guy's standpoint, they didn't have nerves from being on a big stage. It was more just like, okay, we want to make something happen and trying, trying a little bit too hard. I think possibly Winnicunit, you know, I don't want to speak for those kids or their coach, but I, I feel like possibly, you know, being the first time on that stage, you know, it took them a little while to get on. Both teams had opportunities. There were both, they, both teams had transition opportunities, uncharacteristic mistakes, throwing the balls away on, on um, fast breaks and different things like that. That could have changed the, the complexity of that game uh, in that first quarter. But, you know, again, I don't know what you saw in that first quarter, but as a coach, I felt pretty comfortable, even though we hadn't scored. The, the looks that we had talked about during practice all week were there, and we just said, stick with it stick with what we you know the game plan we had things will be okay well here's uh, this is an example of how much i know uh the second quarter i'm standing there um god please remind me of his name i'm the 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 dad that takes photos for you guys travis warren travis warren i remember his son's name i couldn't remember his first name um you know he and i were standing there talking at the beginning of that second quarter and we kind of agreed that you know the way that that the zone was working for winnicott you guys were going to have to get something inside to kind of loosen them up. Like someone was going to have to score in close to get that going. Um, their goalie, Carter, Carter Renaud, was just playing really he was playing well. well. He was playing really um, well. The thing I didn't think of, the fact that he's a lefty goalie too, um, might have you know, just yep. kind of given your guys a little bit of a of pause there. Um, and then all of a sudden, John Anderson rips a shot from – Pretty it far was probably out. twelve. It was at least twelve yards, if not more, out. And, um, and I've gone back and, and kind of watched the video of it a couple of times. And I, I, I mean, how he got that corner on the, the far corner through. I mean, with a guy standing in front of him. I don't know how he did it. And then a lot, like, of, mu- a lot of muscle memory. He shot that shot before, and it was where we talked about. You know, where we wanted to shoot on him. You know, we had, we scouted the goalie pretty good and said there were some places that we thought we could we could have some success. And uh, that was definitely one of them. Um, 
you know, and then and then it seemed to snowball after that. It was yeah, kind of a yeah. weight lifted. It's like, okay, we can do this, and and you know, um, we we felt really good in the face-off circle. Um, you know, we were we were winning draws in the face-off circle, and so we knew we were going to get possessions. And uh, yeah, and then it just started to roll. Um, you know, I I don't want to. It was. I don't want to. I'm trying to think of the <laughs> the best way to put this. At nine to one, um, you know, just a, a tough day for Winnicott. They really didn't. After that first quarter, it just felt like they kind of, you know, as the lead gets a little bit bigger, they're just gripping their sticks a little tighter. I tell you what, though, but, you know, those kids never. Those kids never not, gave. Yeah. Those kids never gave up the entire time. Coach Snow had a great group of kids this year. You know, I look at kids like uh, Lou Granger. That kid just played from from the opening quarter all the way to the end. He played hard. And, and were there some mistakes? Sure. But, like, he just kept grinding and kept attacking yep. all game long, gave them opportunities. Tyler Hoare at the end of the game, you know, it would have been easy just to say, you know what, this game's over. He kept going, got their, got that, get their only goal of the game in the fourth quarter when, like, it would have been easy to say, you know what, I'm tired of getting beat on. I'm just going to pass the ball to somebody else. He, he, he continued to go to the goal hard the entire game. You know, and looking at it, too, I mean, the amount of defense that they played, I know they're in a zone, so they're not, you know, they're not moving as much. The fact, the amount of defense they played, only giving up nine goals. I mean, it, it it's a a good amount, but it's you know, it could have been worse. It could have uh, been worse. It was one of the you know they again. I think regular se- regular season they give up nine goals to us. Playoff they give up nine goals to us, and we, we routinely scored double digits throughout the season. Um, they did a nice job of changing the pace of play and making us earn every goal that that we scored throughout that game. You know, I'm interested to see what happens with this program too, because. They've kind of been uh, – I don't want to say that this was a surprise for them getting there. Maybe, maybe at the beginning of the season they were maybe a fringe pick. I think looking but, at all but the looking kids at what, coming what back. what they did, yeah. Yeah. And I think now, that, now that we're past it, I, I don't feel like, you know, I, this was um, maybe the spot that they should have been in. Definitely wasn't a surprise to me. Uh, I definitely had them pegged as a Final Four team. Did I think they were going to beat Portsmouth? I thought at the beginning of the season I would have said no. It, it, after going to the semifinal game, it, it does not surprise me after the season they had. Um, I, I, if I'm completely honest, I did feel that Cole Brahms was going to find a way to will that team and carry them on their back and get – and he almost did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he basically got them there that, you know – uh, that shot they had right before the buzzer to send it to overtime. I mean, that we didn't did miss, miss. No, it did not. I was right much. on line with yeah. that. It, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, that was they, they could have very easily been playing us for the third time in a row in the in the championship. Um, but again, regardless, I mean, that's where I think you really saw Winnicott and what their team truly did this season. Guys like Josh Chase, Gavin O'Hara, um, you know, like Lou Granger had an incredible game that game. Um, Joe J- McDougal played really well Jack in that Ellis game. Had a Jack big Ellis, game, yeah, oh, my big. God, he was a nightmare for yeah. us in the first matchup during yeah. the regular season. Um, you know, and he's going to be a kid next year. Big body matchup. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be a tough one to stop. Yeah, for a lot they of kid, they for a lot lose of they year. lose mostly I think guys on defense, but they return a very good group. And I imagine that a run like this is going to bring out kids, yep. athletes that maybe they had the most kids play. in their program yeah. come out before. I think the culture is changing a little bit more, where kids are seeing themselves as lacrosse kids. They do lose McDougal and Granger on defense. They lose Tyler Hoare. They lose uh, Josh Chase. Um, one of the Merrick brothers, but they return enough that they're, they're going to be now. I think the culture has changed enough, and, and also, you know, they return. Uh, in theory, they return Joe Evans, their their assistant coach, who was assistant coach of the year in Division Two. Um, you know, it 
no. I, if you ask me right now who are going to be the final four teams next year, I would I would put Winnicott in that discussion. As, as a team. Yeah, let's not go through all yeah, of them. We've got to save, we save something for yeah. next week. Yeah. Um, all right, so getting to probably the game that um, – I've never seen anything like I, it. I just, uh, you know, it, someone someone said to me before the game or asked me before the game, you know, is this um, – you know, the BG Pinkerton championship game matchup, wh- where does this sit in terms of, of sporting events in New Hampshire High School? I, I think it's the top. It is the, the pinnacle of New Hampshire High School sports right now because of, you know, the amount of talent that's on that field uh, between the two teams, the, co- the coaches on that field, and I'm not just talking the head coaches, the assistants too, um, you know, and, and the quality of play. I don't. I, I. don't think of the 2014, if I remember that one correctly, was a bit of a BG didn't win by much, but it it was much not as close as the final score indicated. Since that game, the last five years, this game has been a coin flip. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's been they're so evenly matched in the last five years that you know a, as much as I love upsets, you know, I want this game to happen. You, you want it, and, and especially if it's going to happen the way, you know, we had talked beforehand, I've never seen momentum swings in, as dramatic as they as they were in that game in high school. In, in college and in pro, you see those type of things happen, but th- again, those kids are professionals. They're, they're doing that constantly. You know, I remember going out to the parking lot, starting to put things away in my car, get settled. Before I even got in the building, it felt like it was five to one. I turn yeah. around, and I'm like, holy cow, what just happened? And then, and then all of a sudden, I get settled into my seat, and by halftime, all of a sudden, it's, it's six, six five, five BG. BG. Yeah, yeah. And and you felt like okay, the tide's turning there. And the third quarter, same thing. You know, uh, I think what was it? It was nine six BG. But but even more even more surprising. How many? Tell me this. How many times has a team been outscored eight to one in the second and third quarters of a championship game? And won the championship. And won the championship because that's what happened to Pinkerton. Yeah, and then I turn around and scored scored eight goals in the in the, not in the or yeah eight goals in the in the fourth, in the fourth quarter. quarter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it just, just a, you, you never you never see something like yeah. that. So people who who people who got to see that game or have then you know gone and watched rebroadcast or whatever you get you get treated to some unbelievable lacrosse. I the number of D one athletes on that field, along with other kids that are going to be playing in college, it, it's an, you're absolutely right. It's incredible collection of talent. And um, it, it really is probably the premier event in, in New Hampshire sports right now. You know, that game, too, I, I, you know, sometimes you get a feel of, you know, this team's going to win. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe this team's going to come back. I don't know. I mean, even it, probably up to the point, that last minute, you know, you, you've got um, – BG ties you know, it up. BG tie, Dawson Clark scores. BG ties it up. It's, it's 12-12. There's 50-something seconds left. And my, you know, and I don't want to say that, that, you know, BG had done a good enough job on faceoffs to keep it a tie game. And you just kind of, you know, what's going to happen my memory, here? Unless my memory is wrong, I, BG had a chance at that last ground ball. Like, they very easily could have had that last possession yeah, yeah. and been holding for the last shot. Right. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, just almost in the blink of an eye, it felt like. Mason Druin scores two goals in that last uh, that last minute, and and the second of which I thought I was a little stunned at because you know you had BG had um, James Hetmiller come out, uh, who who by the way, 
I think in that first quarter, kept BG in that Made game. Some incredible it could have been. It, it it probably could have been an both eight or him, nine one. Both him and Jack Sweeney played probably the yeah. best I've seen the two of yeah. them play all season long. Um, you know, Jack Jack had some struggles this season, but he he found a way to step up in the biggest spotlight. And James should hold his head high too. There were a couple times I remember Mara pinched and popped a couple times, came right down, and he made just some incredible saves to keep BG's lead there and allow them to get that lead going into the fourth quarter. Um, so, um, but yeah, he he came out on that last possession or the the last goal um, to try to help BG get the ball back, and and Druin just took advantage of the empty net, which I was a little surprised by. Um, I think there were still 37 seconds left at that point. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe I'm thinking maybe that was the first goal. That was the first yeah, that goal. That was the first Drew goal. So it was about 20 yeah. 20 seconds left. I mean, which you know at that point you, you got to do it. You, you got to yep. do it. But you got to win the fa- you know if BG wins the faceoff, but Mara was so good throughout the playoffs um and 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 throughout the last two years i mean when you look at these two teams that's the difference was that pinkerton had a dominant face-off guy you know i remember i felt like holy okay bg's gonna do this they're up 10-7 going into the or yeah uh 9-6 going into into the into the fourth quarter and the worst possible thing could have happened for them is Gianno just pops the first yep. one, goes right down, scores, and all of a sudden it's nine seven, wins the next one, stay score pretty quickly. Nine, it's eight, nine eight, and then and, and then like, they do it again. Oh, and there's, there's been like yeah. less than two minutes off yeah. the clock, and yeah. it was uh, so it was it was uh, it was an incredible effort by those guys. So there it is, the six championship games, um, just all three. Um, Kind of incredible contests, you know, things that we didn't expect to see in all of them, I think. Things we did expect to see. Um, any final thoughts as a whole? Or, or, you know, you like what you saw from all of these games? You know, I think it's amazing with the, the number of uh, strange things that we saw happen during the regular season. When <laughs> when push came to shove, come, come playoff time, we got a lot of the matchups and the finals that we thought. So for as much... Uh, you know, uh, standings changing and, and different things that happened during the regular season, weird things that happened. We kind of we kind of got what we expected to come playoff. We had there. well, you really interesting. All three girls finals were the one seed versus the three seed, with the one winning, and all three boys finals were one versus two, with two twos winning. So Sorry. that. <laughs> So a little, I mean, yeah. As much as as there were some strange things that happened, yeah. It, 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 the it chalk, it ended up, it ended uh, up chalk going held, uh, yeah. about about the way people expected. Yeah. So, you know, it was a great, it was a great season. As much we dealt with the, you know, we dealt with typical New England weather here, and uh, you know, we we battled through it. So that'll do it for our look back at the championship games. Uh, but you know, don't be sad. We're gonna come back next week and and and, and do one more week. Take a bigger look at the, at the season, a, a broader look at the season as a whole. And uh, get into a little bit of, of maybe what to expect come uh, 2020. Some projections for next year. Maybe take a look at the All-State results. Uh, you know, kids kids who maybe stepped up and surprised, people who, who were there. Um, you know, maybe some maybe some looks at, at guys who are getting some looks for college. Maybe who to expect to, to be on the radar there for next year. Um, I'm excited. It's, it's going to be another. The 2020 class has some incredible athletes in it. And, um, you know, across the board i think most of the teams in the state were pretty young this year so there's going to be some pretty high level of lacrosse next come next spring he is dairy field boys lacrosse coach chris etler chris thanks again for joining me joe always a pleasure i am joe marcellina thanks again for listening